0: All right, everyone. Uh, welcome to the newest episode of The Jay Davis Show. I'm super excited to have Dale Backus here with us today. He is the founder and CEO of Osnap. Thanks for coming on the show, Dale. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, uh, why don't you give the audience just like a quick background bio of uh, what you've been up to the last however many years you want to go through. We can start wherever. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the trick
1: is uh, is is determining the window in which to include in this backstory. But, yeah. uh, you know, I'll try, I, I've i done this a few times so I can give you the short version and then you can sort of probe on things if you're interested. Uh, you know, I, I came to high school, really enjoyed video production um, and then had a, my best friend in, in late high school was also really advanced for the time in that space. And so we partnered together, and started doing a bunch of things, got really into that. And then. Started a small production company called Five Point Productions. This is in the early 2000s where, you know, film to digital transition was just now starting. The Red One hadn't even launched yet. Um, and so, you know, we were trying to essentially sell, you know, car ads to, to car dealerships is what went horribly. Yeah. Um, long story short on that, ended up winning the Doritos crash, the Super Bowl contest in 2000. And I always get the date wrong on this. I want to say seven, 2007. Okay. Well, basically, a consumer-generated ad contest. Anybody could make a Doritos ad, and then the winner would go on to ultimately grand prize win uh, a, a spot in the Super Bowl commercials lineup. And um, and we did that, and we won, and that sort of propelled the agency, our agency, into a into a little bit of you know regional notoriety. Started getting more jobs because of it, and then we quick, quickly realized that our production quality was not up to snuff. Again, b- production quality back then was much more expensive to achieve, and so yeah. we were always trying to come up with little workarounds, uh, little hacks, and DIY things to improve our our uh, production quality. Like you know, home home built dollies and you know lighting fixtures and things like that, um, camera adapters, lens adapters, and uh, one of the things I built was a small kind of wearable computer that you could kind of run off a battery and plug in an uncompressed HDMI video signal into it. So we could record the uncompressed, because back then HDV was a predominant digital, you know, format. Yeah. Um it looked terrible, couldn't grade it worth a crap. And so, you know, I was always building things like this. And one of the things I built was a little monitor, a little twelve inch high definition monitor made out of bench sheet metal um, that we could use to monitor the PC we were recording with, but also switch over and monitor the HDMI input up the camera. Uh, and then we realized, cause you know, after we built that, there wasn't really anything like that. And I was like, this actually seems like more to my, my jam, you know, of yeah. building a physical product, selling one thing to many people instead of you know, making a production and then selling it one time and having to go sell it yourself again, you know, which is the agency production model. Um, and so we started that business called small HD in 2008 ish, uh, 2000, yeah, 2008. Um, we're knowing, knowing nothing about anything. It's unbelievable. It worked at all because man, we, we were just so naive going into that. If I would have known, probably wouldn't have even done it. Um, but you know, we just learned on the job. And I have no engineering or mechanical engineering background, or electrical engineering background, or any background. And because uh, I didn't go to school or against or, or, higher education, and um, just figured out how to build stuff. You know, learn CAD, learn CAM, learn how to you know basically cobble things together, parts from China and local machine shops and things, and Built this this monitor called the DP1, which we ended up selling and launching the business with. We kind of did a Kickstarter before Kickstarter was a thing on our own website using like local like forums on like, you know, yeah. media info, like that um, old school stuff. And, uh, and so started that business and then realized how cash intensive that business was, which is didn't expect it uh, knowing nothing, obviously. And um, so we, we needed some more money to launch our, our first real sort of custom product which is the DP six, which is a 5.6 inch, you know, 800 P resolution, which is, for the time was like yeah. amazing, it was very high pixel density for the time Found this panel, we just couldn't afford all the, the, the custom circuitry, which you're having done in China. So this, this Super Bowl contest came around again. This time they were offering 000, 000 of a million dollars of a, grand prize. and grand prize meeting, you had to get through all the steps, you know, the voting and the, in the, you know, the, 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 uh, the judges and the panels and all that, then you had to get aired. And then if you got aired, you had to get into the uh, first place in the USA Today ad meter in order to, uh, to get the million bucks. And so long story short there, we did it again, won again, but we placed second in the ad meter, which us $600,000, which we used to invest in inventory in the business. So that got that business sort of off and running. Fast forward uh, seven, eight years, ended up selling the business in 2014, down um, to about 11 million of revenue before we sold it. And then I stayed there for another five years, got to 30. And then decided, you know what? I'd done this part of my my chapter of my life. I've learned what I, what I think I needed to learn, both on my own working for a large public company that acquired us, and I wanted to go try it again. So then, 2019 started O Snap, uh, launched a Kickstarter campaign for that product, which is a phone grip, essentially, I think pop socket, but just different. Um, and uh, launched did about 700k on the first Kickstarter there. Uh, That product went horribly wrong, uh, was failing at like a massive clip. And so we had to redesign the product really quickly right as the pandemic was coming into full effect in in like April, May of 2020. re kickstarted that in May, launched, uh, raised $1.2 million on that campaign, which is really what propelled us snap forward and allowed us to kind of get where we are today, which is, um, you know, the generation four going on five of the grip and other stuff as well. So I got long winded. I apologize, but there's just a lot.
0: No, I love it. No, that's that's actually a lot of interesting stuff. I I we had we were talking about this before. We have very similar uh I got into video and viral videos and then eventually started an agency as well and then shifted into physical products. And it's been amazing to see that transition. I always tell the story of like in 20 uh, end of 2011, early 2012, I helped start an event company called the Color Run and we were doing like this event, we needed to film it. And it was like, hey, is there like, how do we film aerial footage? And so we hired a helicopter for $2,500 an hour because drones were like just not there. Like they were just like, yeah, you could get them, but they were like kind of DIY. And then three years later, it was like, oh, you can, you know, maybe even like a year or two later, the Inspire came out and it was, yeah. you know, and so I always use that. What do you think? So so you take some of those lessons, like you were saying, like production's gotten so much easier, making things that are great are so much easier. This is kind of my opinion on AI. What do you think the lesson should be for entrepreneurs that they should be taking from the the progression of tools uh, and what does that mean for them and how can they leverage that? You mean just tools in general or AI specifically? Anything, anything, yeah. Cameras are so, yeah. I mean, your iPhone can make... Stuff yeah. that you, were, you would have dreamed of in yeah. 2008. I think,
1: I, think in, I think, in general, the, the more successful people in the spectrum of entrepreneurial success in general are the people who are, are very, very curious about the world and the industry they're in specifically, and, and therefore are much more aware of the tools, right? The, every, there's just a million tools at our disposal now. And that's the biggest difference I see running a business today versus starting Small HD in 2008 was, you know, back then there was, there was, I mean, there was no Alibaba. There was no Shopify, Kickstarter. There was yeah. no fly There was, I mean, it was all build it yourself or cobble together some WordPress theme or, <laughs> yes. you know, cart or whatever, some random, it, it was, you know, you had to be a lot more um, knowledgeable and capable with all the tools, kind of making things work to do e-commerce back then than you do now. And so really, you know, but there's a million, you know, obviously the GPT and everything coming out now, there's even more so. But, you know, the, I mean, just the other day of uh, uh, Photoshop came out with this you know ability to s- essentially take yeah. your product photo and replace the background and like really convincingly. And like that, even yep. like this was it, it was like some camera who it was I just sent it in Slack the other day. Anyway, Slack, another tool. Just be aware of the tools, study what's out. There's a lot of great newsletters for stuff like this that I'm on, you know, like, you know, just in AI world or in product development world or in SaaS world or whatever. And just knowing what, you know, how you can cost effectively reduce your your cycles that you have to personally spend on things in general, just in your business, leverage technology, leverage the tools to allow yourself to focus on where your superpower lies, right? Because the, the the more you're not, focus on that the business will suffer guaranteed
0: i love it no i think that's great advice what do you what do you think is the most common i'm sure you get friends who are entrepreneurs who own businesses come to you and ask you for advice what do you what's the most common mistake you see what is everyone doing (laughs) uh most people
1: most people vastly underestimate the time it takes to do things um yeah you know especially in physical product world we're talking physical product world uh you know, a you vastly underestimate the cost and time it takes to launch a good physical product, and that really there's a lot of uh, grade to that as well, right? Whether you're you know doing like a drop shipping thing, for example, or or, or you're kind of developing something yourself, um, you know, I just think people a don't under don't understand how many pieces there are now, right? Because part of this tool thing I just talked about is the fact that now the expectation. Yeah, for any brand has gone way up as well, and so really the only way to survive is to leverage the tools that exist. Like take Shopify for example, right? There's base Shopify or Shopify Plus or Pro, or whatever yeah. call it, right? But then there's a million little widgets and things you have to have now to kind of be on parity with everybody else, right? Little plugins that all cost money and. You know, like your email, the Klaviyo plugins or or whatever it is, whatever email system, That yeah. if you're doing SMS messaging, upsell promotional things for your cart, you know, various themes and, you know, uh, ways to, you know, kind of irrigate things around your website and kind of present them to people the right way. There, that's just that's just some of them. Right. There's user behavior plugins. And so, you know, just understanding, you know, how much detail there is to a business, especially in e-commerce or right? guess not especially, but just in general, but in e-commerce. Just knowing, you know, just how to leverage all those things, but also making sure that you're not, you know, because I just think people in general underestimate how complex these these mechanisms you're building can get and be, um, and that you really need to make sure that you're thinking about the user experience and the marketing and the things that really move the needle and automating as much of that stuff in the background as you possibly can, and then, you know, bringing in people, right? Because that's my, my, that's my biggest thing I tell people when they're, they're asking me about, business advice or whatever, you know, I say, I think, I think the power of delegation, you know, is, is a power. I think a lot of CEOs tend to be type A and want to control every little thing in the business. And that can just suck the life out of you. And and, like get you spinning your wheels and and quicksand um, for things that really aren't moving the needle. And so what I, I, what I do almost to a fault is I, you know, I've always had this ability to, to, galvanize people around me, right? So, you know, that because that's really your investment should be primarily in your product and your people. And the people you put around you, you install around you, is so say there's like five pillars of any business roughly, right? Operations, finance, sales, marketing, and product. And generally speaking, you want, you know, ultimately, not I'm not a first, right? You you basically start as all those, and then you want to start adding people in order of priority as it applies to your business in those roles. And you want to empower those people to just build that part of the business. It's like it's their own little business within your business right and give them ultimate autonomy and your job is to just kind of be there for them to support them in the way they want to be supported to make sure they align with your vision for the company because as a ceo your role is to be the vision for the company yeah but it's other people's jobs to implement the vision i think i think a lot of people wait too long on that part of it or just don't know how to do that part of it yeah because again get, get from five to ten to fifty million you just have to i mean you just you just have to learn how to step out of the details look at the big picture and bring in people around you to implement the day to day
0: have you read rocket fuel that sounded like
1: no i i don't think so i've heard of it yeah. but i haven't read it
0: very very similar i think and and it's the book that i recommend to people the most as entrepreneurs who so they're like oh my gosh i finally understand That's exactly yeah. what you said so it's you you've you've had to learn it the hard way i just read about yeah, it yeah I mean, that's really yeah, I've been doing you this visit. for
1: yeah. I've been doing this for fifteen, sixteen years, and I've done about every wrong way you can imagine, right? So yeah. just by proxy of elimination, I've learned like somewhat the right way to do it. And I'm and I'm not Bill Gates or anything, but you know, um, there's still a lot more to learn. Just that's the other part, I guess, is another lesson there is just always just be a student, you know, be curious. As soon as you think you know everything, you've lost. Yeah. Bottom line.
0: Yeah. Bottom line. So true. Always to learn. Yeah. So true. What'd you learn from the Super Bowl. I mean, that's that's a pretty wild experience. I'm sure. Yeah. What was that like? What I learned from
1: like the you
0: mean the, that getting your commercials overall? on and yeah and and doing yeah.
1: That. Uh, I mean, honestly, those those were uh, so long ago now. I'm not, honestly, not sure if there's a tremendous amount of learnings to that that apply today. You know, um for for that. But all I can say is it was a really really. You know, I don't know surreal experience, um, especially the second time where we actually won a significant sum of money for, you know, shooting an ad and essentially in our in, in our backyard, um, and uh, and it just it just shows like to me. I think one of the biggest things I take away from that whole thing, sort of in total, is constraints. The concept of constraints, yeah, I think is not talked about enough and is extremely valuable in any sort of business location so for example in product you know i think one of my superpowers is the ability to design compelling products i have some weaknesses that I have to cover off by adding the right people to the team that make it all actually work at scale but constraints have been sort of the number one thing i've leaned on because i think i had to start with such a massive amount of constraints and, and you, when you look at it through the lens of the super bowl ads we had no money for a production budget we had no money for actors. We had no money for locations. And so it really limits sort of the the number of concepts you can actually hone in on. And it forced you to be so creative, to think so outside the box. How can we come up with something that's going to be universally enjoyable and funny, but have, you know, shoot it on zero budget, right? And products are the yeah. same way. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of a product problem I'm trying to solve. I say, okay, I'm going to artificially apply some constraints here, like with our grips. The grip has to be two and a half millimeters thick, for example. Well, that's really, really, really thin. There's not yeah. a lot you can do. It forces you to think more narrowly in certain areas that then once you kind of figure oh, I could do this thing. Well, then you remove the constraint and apply another constraint somewhere else. And so it kind of starts to fill in pieces of the puzzle disparately and then they start to connect. Um, but, you know, a lot of people see constraints as a bad thing. I actually think they're a, a, a massive source of creativity. Yeah. Uh, and ingenuity. I
0: think we're seeing that with a lot of these, uh, I just saw this week, uh, a company that raised $40 million and uh, is going under and lost crazy amounts of money every year. And, uh, you know, I then look at Pillow Cube that's like been bootstrapped and uh, we just kind of did ourselves. And, and so then you get in tight times and it's all the people who are used to working under constraints are like, huh, we can figure it out. We've done it before. And the people who just and I think that's something a lot of entrepreneurs don't appreciate. They're like, "Oh, if someone would just give me a hundred million dollars, oh no, you'd likely biggest blow fallacy. it."
1: Yeah, absolutely, biggest fallacy. I th- honestly think the the business or entrepreneurship landscape is sort of built with so many sort of hard thresholds that you have to overcome for a reason. Because yeah. that if it's too easy, you just you're you're not you're not going to be a good steward of that money if you if you haven't actually gone through the fires and to enough to under, at least appreciate, you know, the money and, and kind of knowing, having that frugal mindset and having that, um, you know, every dollar I spend has to be some ROI attached to it. And it's not always direct. It's not always obvious. But, you know, at least you have to have some argument for why you're spending it. I mean, yeah. I'm talking about somewhat significant portions of money, but um, that's what I always go to. I mean, I mean, as a CEO, as you can imagine, I mean, as you know, people just... Half your day is just making decisions. Right, yeah. people coming asking for for stuff. Right, and it's it's the easiest sort of go to I use in my sort of decision matrix is well, what's the um, what's what's the ROI on this? You know, and they, we we have to obviously guess in a lot of, in a lot of times. But if if it's if it's straight up zero or it's like don't know or can't even venture a guess, and it's probably not, not probably not there's probably better uses of cash. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Sometimes
1: you have to be very speculative too. So I know it's the other side of the coin. You have to and that's part take of the job of being a CEO or an entrepreneur. Yeah, is you have to sometimes you have to just, you know, take a leap. And uh, you just and that and that's the hardest part for a lot of people. Um, like my my partner, Mark here, who's who's oversees operations and finance, this is one of our big struggles, you know, is he's much more conservative. I'm much more uh, risk taker, you know, type personality. Yeah. And and sometimes I'm like, you know, so I literally just said, hey, you have to have an ROI. But sometimes you just don't. And then you have to just use your gut and your intuition and hopefully your experience if you have it and uh, and take a leap of faith. You know, I can come through the means of hiring people. You really need that key person, but you don't feel like you can afford them yet. And, you know, yeah. I like to be very protective about hiring, um, you know, because at see the mistake we made there is literally be like, oh, man, that, that light bulb need to be fixed let's hire a guy to change it um and let's keep him here full time you know it's like it's so easy to hire people and it's your first business it's like almost a, a badge of honor you know yeah. 30 people 50 people and ultimately you're at 100 people and you're like oh my god how are there why are there so many people and It becomes such a beast in and of itself because you know this is the old adage you know hire slow fire fast um you know just just make sure you're hiring people for the right reasons and make sure make damn sure you hire the right people
0: yeah no it's it's interesting shifting. I I feel like the entrepreneurs I really respect right now, and, and people I've even met through the podcast, are the people who are obsessive about revenue per employee, and they're trying to get higher on that number.
1: That's a, that's a great. They're key like, guy. hey, I'm
0: I'm at two million per employee, and I'm trying to hit five. Yeah, because it is it's so easy. And again, I think this is another thing that's shifted with the funding availability. Uh, is all of a sudden people are like headcount had become an ego thing. Like, oh, I have 3,000 employees. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I have way too many employees. And I met someone who's doing 250 million a year with 45 employees and his goal is to hit 10 million per employee and it was like, dude, that's amazing.
1: But, that's, that's number. it's crazy. Yeah, we're at about, I think we're at about one-ish, maybe a little more than one.
0: Which is incredible. Uh, I mean, like, Apple is the best i think fortune five hundred in that regard, and they're at one point eight yeah and i th- I think that's a shift is a lot of people are are now saying, you know i'm gonna focus on that you know what what can we do revenue per employee wise rather rather than how many employees can I have
1: yeah yeah and it, it's it's a fine line man just just culture and you know management in general is something I battle with a lot, just in my own head really it's it's I have a much different ideology with this business than my last one. Like I said, I'm trying to keep it small. I keep telling people, really don't want to go above 20 people. I think we can achieve our goal here at this company with less than 20 people. And so I'm very protective over who we hire and how we hire and when we hire. Um, And but, you know, it's, it's like I also don't want this very, very strict sort of Clock in, clock out, you know, yeah. here's your PTO time, you know, where, where the hell were you this afternoon kind of stuff. You know, I, like I expect people, people I hire to be adults and to do both and, and to keep the best interest of the business in mind. A lot of it comes with incentivization structures and all other stuff. But really, you want people bought in. You want people to think of the business as much as they is. you know, No one's ever going to care about the business as much as I do yeah. or you do. Or uh, this is the famous Gary Vee saying, right? Well, how do you expect your employees to? to to care as much about you if they don't own the company right and yep. i never they're never going to do that but through the right culture and just if you show people respect they tend to reciprocate it um and uh and and so you know i asked them you know work a little harder and they will most of the time you know it's it's like it's unique it's, it, it's sometimes you have these surges of demand for you know uh output right from your employee pool and but it's easy to sort of knee jerk that and hire some people because that surge and then it f- then it flattens out right because you know there's eps and flows into into your into your uh, your human resource demand and uh, and so to try to ride those things out if it doesn't look like it's going away in a month or two then yeah maybe it's time to look at hiring someone yeah again it's just great to keep on those metrics revenue per employee is a is a great one yeah absolutely
0: well I think like you said it's so easy to just throw up a posting and hire another person so I, lo- I love that advice of like hey, let's wait three months. It might just be things are crazy right now. And let's see if that persists. And then if it does, let's think about bringing another person on. But
1: What I do is I literally, as soon as I feel the need, like, oh, we need to hire someone. I say, okay, well, I'm not. Uh, Let's let's, let's mark the day when that thought occurred. Let's check on it a month from now, two months from now. If the thought and the need and the urge is still there, okay, then let's maybe start a process. But um, but there's, again, there's, there's a the thing with all this. is like there's such a fine line, man. Like yeah. balance the, is the number one thing. It's just sometimes it, you need to move fast and sometimes it pays over slow. And I wish there was a, a clear blueprint for when and how, but there's just not. Yeah. You know?
0: It's it's like you said, never stop learning. Rely on yep. your intuition. Learn. Yeah. Learn from yep. your Invest mistakes.
1: In, Invest in the people. Yeah. Right. Like just hire slow. Really make sure they're a good fit. If I can, I don't hire people straight away i give them a contract for 60 90 days feel them out make sure they're a good culture fit make sure you know, kind of really yeah. test the waters with them and then if it looks good ham an employment contract but um that doesn't always work um but you know it's tri- the trial uh you know uh, employee trial is, is is something i love to <laughs> love to do it's a lot easier to let go of a contractor than it is to yeah. a straight up hire someone
0: yeah, yeah. totally yeah. date before you marry uh, well, people can go to osnap.com that's oh snap.com to see your products. Any other call to action, any things you guys are working on, or things that the audience can go do to help out?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, osnap.com is great. You know, we're, we're really on a mission at this company to rethink the whole kind of everyday carry lifestyle with your phone. Um, you know, starting with. The grip, everyone knows what a pop socket is and they've done a great, they built a great business and very, very um, impressed with what they've built. However, the, the, the needs and the landscape is shifting. Right? Yeah. It, the, the, the grip needs to modernize. It needs to be better, smarter, thinner. Um, and we're on a mission to do that. We're not there yet um, because it's much more challenging than I ever thought it would possibly <laughs> be. I mean, if, you got, if anyone knew how much time and effort and churn has gone on in the background to try and build this thing. Yeah, it would blow your mind, yeah. um, but uh, you yeah, know we have we have some stuff coming down the pipe for the a few months from now. I think is I really think is just the the, the chefs kiss moment for this yeah. company, and so I'm really excited about it. So yeah, check it out. Postsnap.com. Dude,
0: love it. Well, thanks for coming on and sharing your wisdom and hard learned lessons. We always appreciate yeah.
1: it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me, Jay.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Dale.